The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier eSport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite eSports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am a free agent, head coach, and analyst, as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to another edition of the NALCS Guess the Lines podcast. It is the semifinals, ladies and gentlemen. We thought there might be uh, some close series last week uh, between CLG and Team Liquid. Turns out, not so much. Envious somehow took a map off of Cloud9, but otherwise... Things have pretty much gone according to plan, and it's now left us in a situation where the two best teams we thought were coming out of the quarterfinals are about to head up against the two tyrants, the monsters that loom over the shadows and haunt the nightmares of every other team in the Oh, no, 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 you don't get to paint TSM as a villain. You're not allowed to do that on this show. I will not allow that to happen. Really? We're not allowed to pay the team that has more money than anyone else and just buys whatever talent they can possibly afford. I didn't They're know you were talking the- about Cloud9. That's actually quite fair. There are a few <laughs> there are a few villains in the North American scene. I I don't paint uh I don't paint TSM with any particular brush, though I just do think if you're anyone other than Phoenix One, apparently, these guys have been tyrannizing you. And torturing you all season long. And of course, that friendly TSM a fanboy on the other side my, is also my good friend and co-host, Walter C. Eddie Svedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? I mean, I'm I'm doing worse now that you're trying to like paint TSM as some <laughs> radical tyrant. Like, you need to think of TSM more like this. They're, you know, think about a country that has like a king that they just pass everything ruling on, but there's no like genocide or anything going on. So there's, well, there is some genocide. Did you see what they did to their Overwatch team? (laughs) That has to be one of my favorite press releases of all time. And and this is going to be like a a minute thing. I don't want to go into this, but I've just never seen a press release that was, we found out about a couple of our players history, which means you did no fact checking before you signed them for three weeks, by the way. And we're disturbed by what we found. So we don't want to touch them at all. But by the way, good luck on complexity, though. It was such a weird total shift. I I genuinely couldn't believe it when I read it. It is the kind of thing that a PR expert would have gone through and said, no, 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 you can't use half of these phrases. And Andy Din's like, eh, this will work out fine. Because it's Overwatch and no one reads a press release for Overwatch. So it, yeah, it worked out. Well, only weird people like us read press releases <laughs> because we're like, oh, I wonder what this is about. And then it's like, oh, this is hilarious. Yeah. This is awful. Because was... you knew that they cheated in CSGO beforehand. <laughs> of course you did. CSGO. Here's my question. Why do you abandon them right after they qualify for the big money tournament? That's the part I don't get. But whatever. We got our first big money Overwatch tournament this weekend. It's the first ESL that's going to have over $100,000 in a grand prize. But uh, we don't care about that because we're going to be watching the semifinals of North America. Walter, let's before we get into the specific teams, let's start with this basic premise. Okay. Did we see... Anything from last week that makes us believe that the top two teams, the 17-1 and dominant forces in North America, are not still the top two teams? Let me preface this. This is a no with an asterisk. Okay. And that asterisk is, it's TSM and CLG 
It's the Yankees versus the Red Sox. It's the Lakers versus the Spurs versus Boston versus whatever, whatever sports analogy metaphor you want to put in here. Wacky happens when these two teams meet on the rift. And it scares me to death that we have to play them in the semifinals. It scares me to death because this is a CLG looks like the same CLG that went to MSI and took second place against SKT. Like that is how good they look right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. The meta is almost the exact same as what it was. They're playing just about as well. The only difference is Darshan is not as dominant in landing phase, which fine. That means they look a little worse, but they traded in Darshan looking worse in laning phase for Hui looking like he might be the second best mid laner in North America. Whoa! Okay. Might be. I think he's still behind Jensen and, and Paul Belter slightly, but like if he had another big series, you could pop him over Jensen and Paul Belter really easily. Like he looked good. He, he did. We're we're gonna have to get to this. I was not expecting that answer. He looks really um, good. I, I have to eat my crow. Like I was calling him one of the worst mid laners in North America three weeks ago, and now he's gone on this run of four weeks, just like I Okay, dude, like, sorry, I didn't realize when I said that I, like, killed your dog or something. Like, I think he's doing this just to spite me. Just to spite me. I wasn't nearly as overwhelmed by his performance last week as you were. But we're going to get to CLG in a second. I don't want to start there. That's really what this podcast has to warm up to is this inevitable rivalry between TSM and CLG. So let's start with a series that happened, and that's Cloud9 versus Envious. It's the best way I know how to describe this series is that it was a series that happened. Walter, what means more to you? The game that Envious took away from Cloud9 or the three stomps that came along the way as far as what we can expect against Immortals? Oh, the, the three stomps. The, the, this, so the problem was that in game one, Envious were able to make Cloud9 play late, like for a super late game. Like, that was just what it was, was that they played late, they got Lod to the the epic Sivir crit stage, and then Cloud9 is like, all right, we're, we're done with that, that's that's not going to happen, we'll just ban out Sivir. And that's what they did. They they didn't take the risk against Sivir anymore, which I think was genius from Reaper and their coaching staff, because I think that was the only way that Envious was going to win multiple games, was they needed to have that chance, that little bit of luck, those extra crits on their side. Um, I don't think that... Envious did anything crazy in game one that was very unexpected. Um, I think it just was a lot of Lod really carrying, putting the team on his back um, and just getting a lot of lucky crits into into the tanks on, on Cloud9, and they just won some team fights and were sort of able to snowball from there in the, the later stages of the game. Um, you know, that was the longest game out of all of North America, all, the, all eight North American games. That was a 47-minute game. And that is where Envious has thrived, has been when you get into these really, really late game situations where all they need to do is win one team fight. Because Seraph, when he can focus, is a very, very strong shot caller. And when you put him on something like Kennen, when he absolutely can control the terms of a fight when it happens, it's very, it's very like season two, season three Reginald-esque, where, right. where Seraph is willing to just kill himself in order to set up and engage for his team to be successful. And when you're playing Kennen and you have the, the protobelt and you have the Zonias and you have Flash and you have your ult, you can do a lot to just get into the middle of the enemy team and either absorb a bunch of, uh, a bunch of um, cooldowns or just you know stun up enemy targets. Um, and that was the one time I feel like Envious put Seraph in a position to be successful in the laning phase, and it definitely transitioned into the late game. Uh, but outside of that, it was J- Jensen was just like, nah, I'm a body <laughs> these fools. I hate I hate that stupid thing, but it's stuck in my head. Yeah, he just bodied them because Ninja is a okay mid laner. He's a middle of the road North American mid laner. But Jensen has been this guy that we've been arguing is a top two mid mid laner in North America for the better part of a year now, and he made his very calculated risks of when he wanted to go in and try and kill Ninja in the laning phase and you're not able to punish him because of how safe he plays and how safe the rest of the team plays around him. So I thought it was a very well-played series from Cloud9. I don't put any stock into the fact that they lost that one game. They immediately identified what the problem was, and they rolled over Envious for the rest of the series. Here's the 
slight problem I have with that loss because it wasn't just the Siver. With the Siver Cup, you still need to get to the late game. And the problem they had in game one, impact went one, six, and nine, and there's a reason for it. They attacked him over and over, and it took Medios some time to adjust to what was going on. You know, Proxen was just up there with these ganks. Impact was overextending in lane, kind of feeling overly confident about this particular matchup. And and for the record, anyone who would come and tell me like, oh yeah, they were cocky in game one because it's envious and they didn't take it seriously. And then in games two, three, and four, they did. Fair play. I totally agree that that is a potential outcome. It's unfortunate it screwed one of our two smart money bets over because Cloud9 apparently didn't care about our minus two and a half bet over them uh, when they were playing that game one. But if they play the landing phase better with Nar and they actually allow him to get a slight lead or at least stay even with Kennen, I don't think they get to the late game because Jensen, as you said, was just bodying fools all day long. He got 14 kills, 9 kills, and 20 kills in three of these four games. 20 kills! That breaks the record that Skara set on AP Master Yi. And the fact that that is a sentence that we can utter in 2016 is amazing. Oh, man. I'm, I Sidebar, I really miss mid, mid lane Yi. I miss when the OGs brought it out, the Scar, when Skara brought it out, when Alex each brought it out for the very first time, when it was, like, stupid powerful. And then Riot was like, holy crap, this is awful. And solo queue was ruined <laughs> for, like, three weeks until they finally patched it. Um, but yeah, I, I miss those days. Those were awesome I, days. I mean, if you just let Faker's teammates start playing like they're half decent again, Faker might do it. We know he'll play basically any mid laner when his team is good, but they've got their own problems right now. We'll oh, yeah. settle that in a Korea podcast later on. But here's my question to you, Walter. Okay. This series came down to Jensen bodied a lot of fools. Yep. But he's not going up against Ninja, who you said is about average. I think he's a below-average mid laner. I've been very unimpressed with him since the first couple weeks of the split. Fair. This time he's going up against Poe Belter. Yeah. And Impact, who had some good games, had some not-as-good games, is now going to be tasked with stopping Hooney. What is Cloud9 going to do? If if banning the Sivir was the path to just taking out Envious, what is Cloud9's path to just wiping out uh, Immortals? So 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 here's the difference. You you made you made a very you you definitely punctuated the impact versus Hootie matchup. I don't think that matters because to be fair, Immortals has not been playing through Hooney this split. Since like week two, they realized that Hooney is having He's either having some problems, he's just not not really meshed into what the meta is, whatever it is. They've been playing through Pole Belter. They've been outright playing through Pole Belter because Pole Belter has been playing out of his mind this split. And if it wasn't for Bjergsen, the discussion would be Jensen and Pole Belter, who's better, and this would be an absolutely insane matchup to watch. But the meta has just been perfect for Pole Belter, who, you know, we always thought that he made his namesake on... He made his namesake on Zed. He was the best Zed NA. He was always an assassin player. But then all of a sudden, all these control mages, he's really excelled and he's really been really successful on them. And he's been very strong and it's really played to his strengths, allowing him to play safe during the laning phase and then strike when he wanted to and get kills and really control team fights, which has been ex- you know extraordinarily successful for Immortals in the past because it has allowed Hooney and Wild Turtle to kind of play this over-the-top aggressive style. But they're not playing through Huni. They're not playing through Wild Turtle. It's really been about Pobelter and Rainover. And while Jensen may be able to match up against Pobelter and sort of mitigate some of that, Rainover against Meteos is so overwhelmingly in Rainover's favor. It's not funny. Meteos has not shown us really any sort of depth to his champion pool. He has really been a Gragas and Rek'Sai player exclusively over the last, you know, five weeks um, since that meta shifted back more towards, you know, those two kind of sight stone style junglers and away from Kindred and Graves. He was not very good on Kindred early on. He was not very good at uh, Graves early on. We haven't seen a ton of Elise from him. His Lee Sin has been absolutely non-existent. So I am very curious as if 
what Immortals might do to that. Do they just ban out Rek'Sai and Gragas and you know, first pick the Nidalee or, or the Elise because it's been going to sort of the range junglers that have been very, very popular uh, among the non-Xmithy and Medioses of the world. So it'll be very interesting to see if they try to challenge Medios' champion pool, but I just think Rainover right now, with how everything's set up, when you're guaranteeing 1v1 lanes in the top and in the mid lane for, for Poe Belter and Huey, I think Rainover can have a massive effect on the game as opposed to Medios. I think that's entirely fair. Rainover is going to be able to gank to his heart's content. I, I know we haven't seen as much Olaf nowadays, but anything like that with any sort of mobility and chase down is going to be huge for them. I will argue with one point, though. You say they're not playing through Huni. Huni right now, 557 damage per minute. Now, damage per minute is a tricky stat because your damage gets naturally higher as the game goes on because you have more items, etc. But Immortals have the second shortest average game time, which means he was being tasked with doing an insane amount of his team's damage and an insane amount of damage in general in team fights, getting in there and really dominating those moments while still playing incredibly short games. There has been no one who has done more impact in team fights than Huni has or traded more in lane in a positive way. Now, the problem is that he dies a lot. He has 147 deaths. That puts him tied at most in the league for the top lane. The only person who died as many times in the top lane? Ray, a.k.a. Mini Hooney. So that is the downside that comes with him. But if you're talking about playing through him, they're playing through him. They're giving him all the resources they want. They're giving him all the damage he wants. It's just that you don't notice as much anymore because the rest of the team has stepped up in an equally beautiful way. Last split, it really felt like, does Huni carry? If yes, team will do well. If no, it's a problem. You know, this was why we had the infamous Lucian top lane game because it was just, oh God, oh God, we need to find something that Huni can play that does damage because otherwise we don't know what we're doing. And I think now they're more comfortable letting him play more team-oriented champions while still letting him be Huni and still letting him have crazy damage numbers and still letting him be the guy that they funnel all these resources into and makes a lot of use of them. So I I think that Huni's going to be a bigger role in this than than you do. But I think we both agree that it's the two V2s that really start to eat away at them. And I, I guess it comes down then, do you think Sneaky can do it against Wild Turtle? That would be maybe the one lane that could be in Cloud9's favor. Is that enough to keep this series in a back-and-forth style? No. So, so here's the problem. Sneaky is not a lane-dominated carry. That is not what he is about. He doesn't play to win lane. He plans to farm up and get to the late game where he can be efficient in team fights. The difference is that Wild Turtle has sort of shifted to that same style for this season because they don't need him to hard carry. And they've really, I, I don't know if it's his personal playstyle choice that he's pulled back on the leash so much, or if it's literally Adrian and, and Dylan and Rainover being like, no, Turtle, like, stop. Um, it could also just be that it's utility carry dominated right now. Ashes, uh, Sivers. Jin, you really can't go hyper, hyper aggressive and just kill your your lane opponent without, you know, either some jungle help or, or you know, having chipped them down over the course of the laning phase. So they're playing very, very similar styles. I feel like they're going to be similar in farm, similar in items, unless, you know, there's some intervention by uh, the jungle junglers, and it's just going to come down to team fighting phase. And I will give Sneaky a slight advantage in the, in the team fighting phase, but... I feel like Adrian has been much more useful as a support as opposed to Smoothie. Um, just he brings such a funky kind of champion pool and such a funky style that you have to account for. Um, and he's just he's just kind of fun to watch. Like mm -hmm. he's very good at what he does. He's mastered his particular play style and. While everyone is sort of shifting back into well, let's play more tanky kind of supports, you can always rely on Adrian to be like. I'm going to play Soraka. 
And, you, and, and that that pick is the 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 quintessential Immortals pick that makes everything about their team work because they are so we're going to keep fighting. We just want to keep fighting. They are in the 14th round of a of a heavyweight boxing match, and he, they're the kind of guys that you 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 just hit them with a knock, you know, what you think is a knockout punch, and they stumble back up at nine seconds, and then they just come out and release like a one two hit combo on your chest. They're like, you were just. Down on the ground, counting Tweety Birds around your head, and now you're up here, like, going a mile a minute? Like, <laughs> it, it's it's weird, but having that Soraka in the back pocket that you always have to be worried about is just something that Immortals really use against teams because they don't necessarily pick um, their support champions very early. They kind of sit on them and they go, what are we going to do? You know I'm going to play a ranged champion, but which one of the four am I going to play? And it's hard because all four of them are so, you know, really uniquely different that you that you have trouble planning for them. And even if you do take out those four by banning three and picking one, it'll just play Braum, which is also his really, yeah, really like, good. That's that's <laughs> and we've made this joke that Adrian's like, oh, he's a Soraka one trick pony, but like he does. He can still play the tanks. It's just he chooses not to because in the laning phase, which Turtle and Adrian valued so heavily in the spring. They wanted that range support harass. And that's always something he could fall back to. He can go to the Braum. I'm personally waiting for him to pull out a Leona. Mm. I'm personally waiting for the Leona, but I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, and he play, he's played Sona. He's played, you know, he's played pretty much anything you can think of. He's like, yeah, I've already done it. So I, I still feel like this game, though, is really going to come down to the, the jungle matchup. And I feel like I always say it comes down to the jungle matchup, but I'm a jungler, so sue me. <laughs> um, it, it depends. If Meteos can can really counter gank, uh, rain over well, can really establish some vision control, Cloud9 stand a chance. But there's a reason rain over is the best jungler in the West. Yeah, and and here's the thing that everyone has to remember, right? We, we can break down individual matchups, and there are not many places at which Immortals is going to look worse than Cloud9 on a per-player, on-paper basis. But what's really going to determine this game is how much can Cloud9 punish the mistakes that Immortals might make. That's what this really comes down to at the end of the day. Immortals has been a team that has been 2-1 in a lot of series over the split because they are so aggressive and they have no off button. They will push and push and push until you either crack under the pressure or they've put themselves into such a deep hole because they keep picking bad fights that there's no way out of it. They do not lose slowly. And Cloud9, for the record, has said the exact same thing. They do not like to lose slowly. They like to make objective trades. They like to make you fight over them. If they're going to lose, they're going to try to lose that one as quickly as possible. So I have a feeling these are going to be some very quick, very high-octane games. And I think what it really comes down to is Will Immortals make enough mistakes and will Cloud9 capitalize on them? And unfortunately, that's two more ifs than will Immortals just be Immortals and run over them the same way they ran over them four games to one in the regular season. Walter, all of this into account, where do you put the line, my friend? So I've been I've been really kind of going back and forth on these lines because I don't know how insanely high they're going to go. So I kind of settled for a little sweet spot for myself. I have Immortals at minus 250. Okay, I get this one by uh, three points. And I apologize for that. But I said Immortals minus 300. It's minus 278. Okay, fair. Which is, yeah, that's fine. I have no problem with that. Yeah. That puts it at Cloud9 plus 200 which I think is about where you would expect it to go. Yeah. A, plus, a plus 200 basically just means that they're likely to win about 33% of the time, which, you know, after the VIG, that's a number that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what that does do is it means making a smart money bet is a pain in the ass <laughs> because there is no value unless... Do you think Immortals is going to take a 3-0 over Cloud9? No. Nope. Yeah, that's not so gonna that's happen. not going to happen. I don't think we're getting to five maps. No, I think it, I think it's Immortals 3-1. And that's the problem. Immortals 3-1, if you take the minus one and a half, it's minus 132. 
I, but that's what happens when you have overwhelming favorites, and that's we're gonna have the same problem with TSM. I, I think we're gonna have a different problem with TSM. Oh God! You're gonna, you're gonna. Oh God! <laughs> this is gonna be so much fun. Oh for God! Me. I, I look forward to this. Minus one thirty-two for Immortals to get the minus one and a half. I think this is the way to go, uh, mostly because we've spent enough time swinging for the fences and failing miserably in North America. We want to get us back in the black, or as close to it as possible by the end of regionals. Because we're making you guys so much money in Europe. We just need to even it out a little bit. we got to tip the scales around. But let's talk about that game, Walter, the the one that I know you've been waiting for. TSM versus CLG. First, got to talk about how we get here. You said something that blew my mind, which is that you think Hooney could be a top two mid laner in North America. What did you see in this series that makes you think he's climbed that much in as far as how you so, regard him? As, so as let's an ignore the victor. Let me just ignore the victor. I'm just going to go based, based off the, the Syndra and the Aurelian Soul. His uh, victor went 3-1-9. and We're we ignoring that? And then it went 1-4-3. and three. I mean, so, okay, fair. His, his victor is, like, passable. It's like, okay, what do we want to play? Let's play something safe. Okay, I guess we'll play freaking victor. It pains me every time i see clg play victor in his ear it mm-hmm. physic i physically feel my heart like flutter and it's like god i have to watch because <laughs> he's not he's okay he's okay at the champion he's not great he's not gonna make victor great everybody no one can convince me that he's gonna make victor a great champion he, it's passable it's workable it 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 happens and i it totally boggles my mind why they put him on this champion when he could play 30,000 other things, but I digress. I thought his Syndra play was was very good. He really controlled the lane. Um, he really kind of dissuaded a lot of Fe- what Phoenix wanted to do with the LeBlanc. He was constantly knocking Phoenix and Dardock out of their dashes in. Um, and the same thing with Lorlo. It was just really well-timed, really well-placed. Um, the Aurelian Soul game was his typical Aurelian Soul game, where he's like, I'm going to push the wave, and then I'm going to roam, and then I'm going to push the wave. And then I'm going to roam. And then I'm going to push the wave again. And then I'm going to roam. And it really, you know, really you could tell Dardock was having a hard time in that game especially because every time he wanted to do something, he'd see Hooney was already starting to move towards that lane. And he's like, well, let's not do this because I'm already tilted from the other three games and I'm not playing well. Um, I don't think that he did. He, he didn't do anything absolutely fantastic. But what I have seen is I've seen an uptick in his, in his baseline of where you expect him to be in a normal game. And all these games were normal expectations of what you have of Hui. Um, and where Jensen has a much higher ceiling in terms of his his 1v1 dueling potential, what CLG needs is this kind of player who has a very high baseline where he doesn't die a lot in lane anymore. And he can really influence the map through movement across the map and controlling his his lane opponent on the map. If you notice the, the two LeBlanc games, or the LeBlanc game that... Phoenix played, he was not able to roam around a lot. He really was kind of forced to stay in this lane because Huey was constantly wave clearing, constantly sending up vision around the lane. Very, it was very well done and really kept kind of Phoenix from getting involved across the rest of the map. Um, in the games where Phoenix was playing Cassiopeia, he sort of just sat out there and said, I'm just going to counter your wave clear. And again, you're never going to be allowed to roam. You're going to have to just sit here. And they really pressured him very well um, with, with X Smithy. And really force kind of Phoenix to play on the back foot, ha ha ha, and uh, and and just go from there. So maybe maybe it was a little hyperbole, but I thought Hui played exceptionally well and was the best player uh, on the Rift for CLG for the good majority of the series. Well, I'll say this: I definitely agree with you that Hui has stepped up to the occasion. I love what he was doing in this series. I do think that his roams are going to be the key to everything that they're going to try to do against TSM. <laughs> I also think it was a great counter to the way that Team Liquid wanted to play. You know, Team Liquid was really counting on the idea of Phoenix being able to win his lane, Lorlo being left alone, and, and Dardock being able to get that lane to even or better. And then Fabi and Matt would just be okay. And as long as they played utility champions, it wouldn't matter. Uh, it mattered is really what it came down to at the end of the day for Team Liquid. That bot lane was so bad 
that they had to bring in Jinth, who is a guy I have never heard of before. He won his first ever professional game, 7-2-6, and six, so good for him. I'm actually excited they're going to continue playing with him in the regionals. I think that he showed a lot of promise in a way that Fabi clearly has not. Is he ready for the big time yet? I don't know. But, you know, the difference between Team Liquid and CLG ultimately in this series, I think that CLG recognized their win condition. Mm-hmm. They let Huni roam. They let Aphromu be the initiator. They let Stixay do Stixay things, which it's nice to see him kind of take a step in the right direction. They didn't try to force themselves to play around Darshan because that doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And even in some of their victories, it was clear that's just not going to work anymore. So they just let him be a sacrificial lamb at times. Like, oh, you're going to die anyway. Just go forward and we'll clean up the rest of them. But Dardock wasn't able to do much anything in this series. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. We thought this was going to go to five maps. Dardock to do that, needed to go ham and either get Lorlo going, which apparently was never their intention. I don't know why that wasn't their intention, but they chose they not picked, to do it. They picked decent matchups for him, too. Like, Aurelia Dinar is is rough kind of in the very beginning of the map, uh, in the very beginning of this, the matchup, like from levels like one to three. But then once Aurelia hits four, you can really play against the Nara and, and, and do work. The problem is they just never went to his lane. It was like always just like, all right, Lorla, 1v1 Darshan, and if x shows up, try and get out of it. And I, I just, I don't know what Liquid's problem was. Just as a whole, I don't think it was nerves or anything from Dardock. I just think this team was just really lost in this standard lane meta. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say kind of something crazy. I don't think a single person who was on that stage uh, last week will be back on this team. I don't think a single one. I don't think Dardock and Lorla will be back. I think they just completely wipe. And saying that they're going to go with Jinth in the regional finals kind of shows that they're punting on the rest of the year. See, I I take it a very different way. I think Jinth is better than Fabi right now. I think Jinth has been a guy. He's apparently been very good in solo queue. He has a lot of respect from his We've peers. seen two games out of him. I'm just saying, he is a guy, you know how Cloud9, when they were trying to hide the fact that they basically just pimped themselves out for a challenger spot so they could make a quick million dollar profit, because that's how much these spots are selling for, and they made that massive list of like, these are all the players we've secretly been training behind the scenes, so we're not evil, we promise, which is something that only people with guilty consciences do. Yeah, hold on one because second. Otherwise, they would never release that document. Here's my one-time podcast thing. Yo, Jack, go f*** yourself. There we go. That's, but let me put it this way. Like, teams have that list, whether it's for better or for worse. And in this case, you know, we've clearly made our opinion on that known. You know, there is that list. And Jinth has been a guy that's apparently been playing around with Liquid guys for forever. He hasn't been on the main team or even the academy team, but he's been in the system. And he is an unrefined solo queue talent. And this is where I disagree from you. I genuinely believe in them when they say we're going to build around Lorlo, Dark Duck, Matt, and probably Jinth now unless some crazy, crazy import comes in. I think they're going to let Phoenix walk because Phoenix is very good, but he, there are no other Koreans on the team. I, I wonder if they're going to try to find a North American mid laner. Good luck with that. I, I think Matt has fallen off enough that you might question that end of things. But... Yeah, Dardock struggled in this game, but I think the Dardock struggled because they had a bad game plan. I well, think they felt like they had to camp the bot lane, they had to try to keep Fabi and Matt even, or you know get Jinth ahead when he first came in. So who do you who do you place more blame on then? Do you put more blame on on Dardock as the player? Or do you blame it on on the coaching staff? Because I, I think this is a wholesale wipe across the board. I think coaching staff is gone. I think players... Well, first of all, if Lokodoko is still a coach next split, then Liquid need to reassess their priorities. The only reason Lokodoko is a coach, let me remind everyone right now, we have it you know, on film. <laughs> the first coach they had quit. And it was quit on their production. And we mentioned this in a podcast, and Steve got mad at us for pointing that out. Steve being the owner of Liquid, not Steve the guy we're going to have on the podcast later today. We're not inviting the Liquid Steve onto the podcast, just spoiler alert. I don't think he'd come on. But it's just one of those things where 
no one likes admitting it, but this was a coaching job that was thrown together at the last minute because Loco Doco has experience. But we already know that he and Dardock didn't get along. We already know that he didn't get along with some of the other players. It's it's clear that Piglet felt ostracized enough that he left the starting roster. Do you do that if things are being handled well? Probably not. If it's a comfortable work environment, why would Piglet, of all people, one of the most competitive players on the planet, choose to play on the challenger team? Well, it's probably because of the same reason the Dardock threatened to do that. I don't want to play for Loco Doco, or I don't want to play with Dardock slash Piglet, respectively. That's a real problem, and I think that's an infrastructure issue, and I think that their game plan was off on that regard. But at the end of the day, when you're on the rift, it falls on you, and Dardock did not play the way that he needed to play, and I, I can't really think of anyone other than Phoenix who did their job. And Phoenix had some really good games, despite the fact that who he was playing well. Phoenix was matching him basically point for point as Cassiopeia until game four was just beautiful. But there's only so much you can do when your entire team is collapsing around you. Now, all of this is said, and 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 certainly Counterlogic Gaming deserve all the credit. This was a team that was at one point potentially a relegation-bound team that is now going to be in a pretty good spot to make it to Worlds just based off of points because they won it in the spring. Unless Immortals beats TSM in the finals, CLG is getting an automatic world spot. That is the only way that they're not going, and they deserve all the credit for that climb. TSM was 4-0 and over CLG over the course of the regular season. It was not a particularly close match in any of those four games. So, Walter, please help the listeners at home understand why, despite all of this, and despite having four of the five first-team All-Pro players, whether you agree that they should have gotten all of them or not, all of their players were second-tier or higher the way they played this split, why are you worried? Why are you afraid of this matchup? Oh, just because it's TSM versus CLG. That's literally the only fear that I have, is that CLG is playing much better, and like I said, when you get into these legacy matchups in sports, wacky shit happens. Just wacky stuff happens. We have the, the reverse sweep that Boston had in the 2003 ALDS uh, against the Yankees. We, it's just wacky stuff happens when... when long-time rivals meet. Look at all the New England Patriots versus Indianapolis Colts games, or just New England versus Peyton Manning in general. You get some wacky games. You get some wacky stuff in basketball where there are, you know, sweeps that happen, you know, comeback games that happen, comeback sweeps that happen. It's just because it how the world works. Sometimes in sports, wacky things happen. Um, I do think that CLG is a slightly better um, team as a whole. But I think just across the board, TSM is much more talented, much better in the laning phase. And now that we have a standard laning meta, we get to see Bjergsen against Huhi. We get to see Haunters versus Darshan. And finally, for the love of God, we get to see a 2v2 double lift and protege versus Aphromu and protege. And I can't wait to watch that. I, I actually am excited to watch that matchup. Uh, and see if all the smack talk that Aframu did over the last two splits, um, you know, he ba- he's been able to back it up the last two splits. I'm now ready to see double lift win and see what he has to say about Aframu. It'll be uh, exciting to watch. Yeah, that's going to be the most fun. I-, I don't have the love in my heart for TSM the way you do. I was an envious fan. That was my mistake. I have to live with that every day until the next split comes around. But I kind of do hope just for storyline matters and as someone who is dabbling into the wwe for the first time nowadays i have been doing my podcast and everything i feel like this is the perfect double lift gets his would he be the heel in this situation i guess after all of the complaints former because he's had a lot of former complaints no he's the baby face he's that that's what this entire thing was was that it started of double lift and and aframu were the tag team partners and Doublelift was always kind of the dick of the tag team and kind of like <laughs> lost Aphromu around. And then in their first, you know, first match against each other, Aphromu beats him. 
and is like so overjoyed. He's like, oh god, I beat him! So Doublelift like stays in heel mode and stays like angry, brooding, angsty guy. And then the second time that happens, after move get tur- turns into more cocky, like, oh, psh, whatever. I, I was obviously the better one. Like, I've beaten him twice, like, whatever. Now Aphromoo has been, like, the heel. He's been, like, glowing in his title reign. He's like, yeah, I'm awesome. Like, this is great. Now's the time where, like, Double Lift has been gone for a few weeks. In, in WWE, he would have been gone for, like, a few weeks, like a month. Maybe he was injured. And Aphromoo was talking all this crap, talking all this crap. And then right before a main event, Double Lift comes out. He pops a spear on Aphromoo. He goes, I'm coming for that title, and we're going to have an awesome match this weekend. It's going to be great. And it seems very fitting that you'd use a WWE reference when SummerSlam is this weekend. So I like it. It works. Yeah, it does. And I am so excited to see this whole series play out. I know you have to be concerned because this is your job as a TSM fan. You're not allowed to go in cocky because then you're going to curse your team. But this TSM team is just so good. It's very good. Even in their losses to Phoenix One, which is such a funny thing to say, but they're still such a good, talented team across the board. They do so many things right. And the fact that they went 35-6, and they had at one point like a 17-game win streak. I, I don't even know how you do that in a best-of-three format, but they found a way... I just, you know, as someone who just likes seeing the best teams play the best League of Legends, I want to see TSM look like the team that they've been all season long. And I want to see CLG try to step up and hang in there. I want to see them make it as close as they possibly can because that's how we produce the best overall teams when we look at the world championship coming up. Because there's a very good chance that both of those teams will be in it and I want all of them ready to go when we start facing the best that the world has to offer. Absolutely. Absolutely. But all of that said, Walter, where does the line come in? TSM minus 275. Oh, man. Oh, that's funny. So I get this one and with it the week. So I said TSM minus 400. It is TSM minus 588. That is CLG plus 375. The casinos do not share your fear about CLG. They don't believe in jinxes. They believe in the stats and they believe in previous results. And it's minus 588. I love this line. I, I love it so much because it means the only thing we can do is either irrationally bet on CLG to keep it close. The plus one and a half would give us plus 155. Or do the smart bet, which is bet for TSM to get the 3-0 at plus 165. Those are our choices. And either way, you're going to feel terrible about whichever one you pick, which is why I love this part of the podcast. Huh. <laughs> you're not expecting that, huh? I, I'm, I've been lost for words. This is, and it's not an anger. It's not like a, I'm gonna like throw my headset around and, and like break a lamp. It's a like, okay, yeah. Please, please don't mind the typing as I go hate bet against my own team just because I might make money off of it. <laughs> please ignore all this. All this typing you hear is not me gambling on CLG like I did last year, so I last split, so I make sure I win either way. I would never do something that insane. Um, I... <laughs> well, here's the question. You can jinx yourself as much as we want. So we're not going to settle on a TSM versus CLG smart money bet yet because we need to enlist the help of our good friend and the star of our new segment, Stats with Steve, Steve Kaffmeyer from Esports Fan. Steve, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. You know, we really appreciate your help yesterday. It seems like you had some really nice stats to help us better understand how we should be approaching these lines. Even if you didn't completely agree with our smart money bets, we were close enough with the VIG intact that we felt good about it. And we're going to need your help here. First, it comes down to Immortals versus Cloud9. What are the stats tell you about how this series is expected to play out? Well, I have Immortals at 
plus 8.3 and Cloud9 at about plus 4.95, which gives, uh, depending on which side of the map, gives C9 about, I mean, Immortals about minus 300 chance to win the series. What's really interesting to me is how big a difference uh, being on blue versus red is between these two teams, basically. If Immortals are on blue, my model favors them at minus 150 for a single map and closer to minus 195 if they're on red. Huh. So they're actually better on red side than blue side. Yeah, basically how it works is the red team seems to have higher leverage. So if both teams are good, red is favored. But if even one team is bad, blue is favored. Well, there you go. Your minus 300 is what I picked, by the way when we made the our guesses. It actually ended up being minus 278, which when you look into the casinos, enough. yeah, it's, it seems like uh, you and the casinos are getting along a lot more than we did at certain points during the regular season. But here's the smart money bet we're looking at. We could not find one with plus value that looked good. So we're looking at Immortals at minus one and a half. Uh, that would be a 3-1 or better uh, at minus 132. Is there enough value there, or are we better off swinging for the fences? Um, yeah, there's not quite enough value there. I have that likelihood at about 52%, which would make it a negative edge. Mm. I think the best bet here is to wait for the day of the match and just see if Cloud9 gets a map on red and bet them that. But because it's a playoff game, we don't know. Which team's going to yeah. pick which which color? Well, and and we won't even know prior to the game starting because they're doing the dynamic side selection yeah, exactly. now. Exactly. Right. So, so we can't even do that, unfortunately. Well, I mean, we can tell our viewers to do it. And, <laughs> yeah. No. Right. So. I mean, I don't. I, I guess Unicorn probably does keep up game by game. Right now, they offer map one. We could get plus one fifty for Cloud Nine to win map one and assume that Immortals will pick blue side for themselves. Is that a better bet? Is that closer to where the VIG should be? Or are we going to get more value just sticking to our minus one and a half? Uh, you're better betting on Cloud9 plus 150. But it's not by a huge difference. I think that, that bet's about like a coin flip based on the odds. No edge on either side. Okay. So hopefully you could get something better than plus 150. Yeah. Cloud nine on red. I mean, we would we can advise our viewers at home to keep up with that, but for our smart money bet, Walter, which of those two do you like more? I'd say the one and a half still. Okay. We're just I'd still say the one and a half. Yeah. It's not quite the vig that we'd like, but you know, we're so far in the in the red now with North America. We need a win. And it does seem to be something that should happen but much if, more often if, than if, not. If if uh, IMT does pick red and they have two red maps, it gets even closer. So, like, the edge between these two bets is probably around two or three percent. So, yeah, now it's it, hard to, okay. hard to tell the difference. Yeah, now we just have to hope Dylan realizes that as much as you do. Well, I mean, it's more <laughs> on like these edges. I'm guessing mostly the difference is like who drafts better. So mm. he could pick blue draft better and still, you know still be good all right so now that that series is out of the way steve we get to the the more important series <laughs> tsm versus clg and to be fair the uh the odds that unicorn gave us just left me completely speechless so what does your model say about this series where you know obviously tsm should be the favorites but by how much well my model really likes tsm and hasn't been on board with clg most of this Season, so it has a series price at TSM minus 700. Oh, wow. I mean, to be honest, wow. th this is kind of, you know, it, it ended up being minus 588. Minus 700 is, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm not too surprised at the end of the day because CLG had such a rough go of it early on. I, is there any particular part of the of the of your statistical breakdown that really punished CLG is it just the early inconsistencies or is there something specifically that I think it's just the their style of winning this is mm. when they tend to win it tends to not be by very large margins so mm. that's the whole basis of the model and so 
all, all throughout the season, my model's been a little low on them. But even if you give them, give them some extra, you know, boosting, it really doesn't make a huge difference. My model still really likes TSM in this series. Well, here's the question. How much, do, how much does it like TSM in this series? Because TSM to go minus two and a half to get the 3-0, which would be essentially 7-0-ing them over the course of the season, is plus 165. All right. My model has that at about plus 155, so there should be some value there. Yeah, there's some great value there. Walter, are you willing to come with me on this journey? 3-0, TSM. Screw it. Do it. Yes. Awesome. Screw I'm it. So Do happy. it. I already hate betted against TSM to make money on Unicorn, so. <laughs> yeah. Make it a TSM 3-0. Either way, I win. That's exactly how it should go. I, you know, who, whoever wins, Walter wins. It's going to work out. Uh, Steve, once again, thank you so much for your statistical breakdown. Is there any other fun fact that our viewers should keep in mind going into the these uh, semifinals from, from both sides, in fact? I don't know. I think, you know, just watch the games and enjoy. <laughs> That's very good advice. Fair. Hope, fair. Hopefully you guys listen to this podcast and enjoy it. If you did, you should go to soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or on the iTunes section. You can search rough drafts on podcasts and that'll bring you to our page. You can subscribe. You can like us. You can Give us a review. All of these things mean a lot to us, so we genuinely appreciate when you guys do them. You should also be sure to check out all of our content on SlingshotEsports.com. We do write-ups to go along with all of these podcasts. Walter's EU write-up about where he compared the semifinals to Lord of the Rings is now officially one of my favorite things. Uh, and you can read that along with so many other great pieces of content, you know, wrapping up everything that happened at the international interviews over in Korea, as well as just the, any esport you can come up with. They do so much great content at Slingshot Esports, so we're so proud to be partnered with them for this pod. Uh, you should also follow us on social media. I am at RedshirtKing on Twitter. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And Steve, where can people at home find you? You can find me on Twitter at Calf, that is at CA followed by six ups. Perfect. This is going to be a really exciting semifinals series. If you guys want to keep up with us live, uh, if you go to at Rough Drafts Pod, that's where we do all of our live tweeting. I will sadly not be able to partake because I will be in Boston because I'm wicked smart and I'm visiting my sister up there in Northeastern. Um, so I'm not going to be live tweeting, but Walter will have to live tweet for the both of us. And I believe in his ability to do that. So definitely go check that out. I am sure of nothing else, the TSM versus CLG will be a fun live tweeting session no matter what happens. And come back next week where we're going to break down the third place games in the finals as we start wrapping up this regular season. So until then, goodbye, Internet.